0: I wanted to give you a quick update. The Hermster family is well on their way now down to Atlanta. They enjoy their time with us over the weekend. It was a great cap to it when some of the teenagers went out with Zach and Matt and Sarah and me to play basketball last night. And we sent Matt off with three stitches under his eye from an <laughs> We love our missionaries. Anyway, uh, we may make a note of it in, on Sunday uh, he was, oh, no, no, I, we'll, we'll take care of it, but uh, I think we may go ahead and help take care of any financial burden that comes from that. It was a complete accident. In fact, uh, it was big old Levi. and you know, Levi's tall and strong, and he didn't swing his elbows. He was standing there. I was under this one, and Matt was on that one. So uh, he got it, and I took him down to the hospital last night. But they had a wonderful time. They wanted us to let you know uh, how refreshed they were in being here, the kindness of you all on Sunday. every coming. those
1: teenagers. (laughs) Tonight we're talking about four trees. You have notes there, they've got all the irrelevant scriptures in. Um, In our study of biblical allegories we are discovering, I hope that the Bible's spiritually rich pages contain many treasures to edify us, to teach, instruct, and direct God's people and it's amazing how broad the brush is when you start to look at and form allegories in Scripture. Characters, circumstances, themes, patterns, parables, allegories, names, places, and events, all combine in a rich tapestry to enlighten us and bring us closer to conformity to God's will. Uh, it's, there's something so amazing about this book. If you just take the time to get into it and uncover its treasures. Nothing is wasted in the Bible. Nothing. There's no accident about the way in which it is constructed. Even the smallest facts and events have meaning. The challenge to the reader, to each of us, is to extract, extract the rich ore of spiritual knowledge and instruction from the mine of truth found on every page. Never fall into the habit of ignoring scripture passages that you don't understand. That makes no sense. It's a thought that should alert you to dig deeper. When you you say that to yourself when you're reading something, don't just carry on. Stop and start digging. You'll be amazed at the truth that emerges. If you're wise, you'll pause to learn the meaning while others skip ahead and continue on in their ignorance and none of us here are ignorant certainly don't want to be ignorant so just stop and beg you'll be glad you did last week we explored what it means to keep the Sabbath and discovered that in the New Testament context of salvation we are spiritually dead until we enter a Sabbath rest of Jesus our Savior we've got to come empty handed to him saved by faith to keep the Sabbath uh, not by our works but by faith. Work to us means labor and sweat and the expectation of some reward for our efforts but that's not what Jesus values. Uh, His work is spiritual. The service he has in view is service to him and with him and not for him And, and all of that idea is captured in just a few powerful sentences in that wonderful picture of Mary and Martha. If you want to know what God wants of you and me, it's right there. It takes you about a minute to read the story, and it contains a world of inform- information and blessing. So service to Jesus and with Jesus brings joy and peace and rest we reconcile with God and also (coughs) to the circumstances of life. Resting in God is abiding in the one who knows all about us and trusting him to work circumstances according to his will, his perfect will, regardless of what temporal events or your physical senses tell you. In tonight's message we're going to focus, of all things, on four trees. Uh, Amazing trees, specifically uh, they're identified by references in Genesis, Psalms, Galatians and Revelation. And the trees are each unique, yet they all weave together. They each have an allegorical story to tell that forms part of a greater whole. Let's pray and we'll get into the story of these four trees. Father, we do ask your blessing here tonight. Thank you again, Lord, for this place, for these people, uh, for the wonderful times we spend together around your word and fellowship with each other. It's a treasure. It's a treasure that blesses my heart. I'm sure it blesses the heart of everyone who is a member Continue to bless us, we pray, Lord. We never take it for granted. Bless us tonight again, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin with the two trees planted by God. We go back to Genesis chapter 2. And we look at verse 9 to start with. Uh, This is the story of creation. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Then we go forward to verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. We see in the opening statement here the expansiveness of God, the generosity of God. He says, I've given everything to you. You can make use of every single thing that you see around (coughs) you. All my creation is at your disposal. I just want to reserve one thing for myself. The rest is all yours. Of course, the devil comes along, along that sly old fox, and he twists that. If you. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden. You can't eat of every tree in the garden. God's restricting you. That meaning, that's his whole intention. That's his demeanor. That's the thought he wants to plant in her mind. You recall when God spoke to Adam, he said, it's all yours. I'm keeping one for myself. The devil comes along and says, no, it's not all yours. And he tempts them to go against God's will. We go to verse 5. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and also gave unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And right there we see the problem that every one of us fights against every day. Um, Verses, verse 17, I'm sorry. And unto Adam, this is after they have fallen, they hide from him, God goes looking from them, and then he says to Adam, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Let's take a closer look at these two trees. The tree of life, its fruit is unappreciated. Uh, Even true of us today, Not one of us can fully appreciate what God has in store for us, what God has won for us, what God has gifted to us. And certainly they couldn't appreciate it back then. Uh, They'd never seen anything like it. They were brand new in creation. Everything was wonderful. And there were no restrictions to eating the fruit of the most important tree, the tree of life. And yet, under the devil's instructions under his temptation, they choose a different fruit. The fruit is accessible through our obedience, and obedience always brings life. That's one of the cardinal rules of the Christian life. Disobedience brings death. Obedience brings life. So let's look at that, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Its fruit is desirable. That fruit is still around today, and it's very desirable. Its fruit is forbidden. Satan tempts us to eat of it. Disobedience and eating brings a curse and death. And that curse led to something awful happening, a tree planted by man. Turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, He made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. The tree of judgment, the tree of death. Only fallen man could fashion and plant such a cruel tree. It's a tree of suffering. It grows out of man's rejection of the tree of life, and everything associated with the judgment tree speaks of death, and its fruit is hideous. To see just how hideous turneth me to Psalm 22. We'll just read a part of that from verse 6 to verse 17. Jesus hanging on the cross. I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, a despised of the people. All they that see me, laugh me to scorn, they shoot out the lip, they shake their heads, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. I, as you read, as, as we read this together, just picture in your mind who this is talking about. He was fully God and fully man the God who created the universe the God who lives in a realm of splendor and glory that we can't imagine of purity and holiness of goodness and wonder a God powerful enough to speak anything he wants into existence in an instant that God becomes a man and allows himself to go through this to be treated like a dog worse than a dog tortured, mocked, scorned, look at his words, Jesus again speaking on, in verse 9, Jesus the man speaking to God his father, But <coughs> thou art he that took me out of the womb, thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast, I was cast upon thee from the womb, thou art my God from my mother's belly, be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. In that awful moment, Jesus hung alone. Everybody had deserted him. His closest friends had run to get as far as possible away from those who were coming to destroy Jesus. There is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me about. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. The crowd standing around him, and you know as he hung on that cross, a cross wasn't a really tall instrument of death. Uh, it was very cleverly designed by the Romans so that when your feet were on that little shelf that was just enough for you to push down on if you wanted to breathe, you had to pull up by your hands with the nails in them and push on your scarred feet to try and open your lungs to draw a breath and then sink down again when the agony in your hands was too much and you'd exhale. And those standing around him were like bulls trying to gore him to death, mocking him, cursing him. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water. That's what it feels like to be crucified. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it it is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. Potsherd was. A, an earthenware pot that was put into an earnest, a, a, a furnace and heated so that it drew all the moisture out of the clay and it could then be glazed. That's what he felt like as he hung on the cross. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me as he hung naked in front of them, groaning in agony. By the sadistic torture and death of the creator in human form. Nobody who was hung on that judgment tree ever escaped and Jesus was no different. The only way out was death. And when Jesus died, darkness fell on the earth to cloak the awful sight of his body torn apart. Scarred and deformed by an hour. the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the spawnful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Let's go from there all the way to the end, to Revelation 22. as we read this this beautiful beautiful passage and the other one we're going to read in Revelation as we read it just contrast in your mind what you just read from Psalm 22 the God we're going to read about here and the wonders we're going to read about in Revelation 22 speak to a God who is magnificent beyond our comprehension what a contrast to Psalm 22 And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the land. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the land shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face. And his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Adam and Eve had access to everything in the garden. Everything. God said, it's yours. It's for you. Especially. God who walked and talked with them every day, and went looking for them when they hid from him. Only the fruit of one tree was denied them, and they lost everything. Everything was lost because they ate of the one forbidden fruit. Now, we who are descendants of Adam and Eve may be restored to fellowship with God in only one way. The fruit of the tree of life. Let's look at that tree of resurrection life a little closer. When the fruit died on the tree of judgment, it was buried. And then it sprang into new life as a living tree bearing living fruit. Satan fights to prevent us from eating of this life-giving tree because he knows that eating brings watered and protected by a river of life. It's fruitful and reproduces itself. Proverbs eleven thirty 30 says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And let, let's read Psalm 92 and see what else it says. Psalm 92 verses 12 to 14. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a seed in Lebanon, note that these are both evergreens. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Hallelujah and amen to that. All the prime timers there rejoice with that. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. What a contrast. What an incredible contrast to the disaster that happened in Eden, and the awful agony that happened on the cross. And God said it was necessary to restore, and more than restore, everything that was lost. It's a new creation of God, this resurrection life tree. New life in a new world where every tongue confesses the Lordship of Jesus Christ It's turned to Revelation chapter 5. Now, it's got nothing to do with peace, per se. But again, I I want to draw the contrast as we we read just a short passage here and get a glimpse into the glory of our Savior. Again, remember Psalm 22. As a contrast to who he is, what he gave up, and what he suffered. For us, John, the great apostle, is being shown around heaven and I beheld. And lo, in the midst of the throne, and if, uh, actually, I was going to start in verse 8. No, sorry, mm-hmm. to those at the back, I'm starting in verse 6. I'll get to verse 8. <laughs> people at the back, I always have to apologize. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the stone, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, to the lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. That is allegorical language. He didn't literally have seven horns and seven eyes. It speaks of the fact that he was all-knowing, all-wise, all-seeing. Uh, the horn in uh, the Bible speaks of authority. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. This this wonderful uh, symbiotic relationship between the father and the son, this this closeness, uh, the the unity that they shared. And when he had taken the book the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden wires full of odors which are the prayers of the saints And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. He's talking about you and me. Sinners who put him on the cross. You'll we'll rule and reign with him one day. <coughs> and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honour, and glory, and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him, that liveth for ever and ever. for the Savior? As the last Adam, Christ is the son of all failed humanity as the second man, he is the head of a victorious new race. We studied that recently. Having in his death done away with the first man in whom God's purpose was frustrated, Jesus rose again to ensure God's purpose would be forever fruitful. Not by religion, but by revelation. Not by application, but by inspiration. Not by education, but by life supernatural life that comes from eating the resurrection fruit of a living tree and becoming ourselves living trees, watered eternally by a river of life. We are all men most fortunate. We who know Jesus Christ as our Savior have no reason to ever be down in the dumps. We are rich beyond Chinese Christian, great Chinese Christian and teacher Watchman Lee observed that we are not educated to become Christians because no one can educate you, no one could have the imagination to educate you in this. God's children are born, not taught. Born supernaturally and when you receive that supernatural light into you, this book starts to make sense. And suddenly you begin to see things, and know things, and appreciate him. And when you look at that cross, when you read your Bible, when you come to church and sing the glorious hymn, something stirs inside you, something real, and it's wonderful. Supernatural life comes by eating the resurrection. our life. He lives out his life in us and through us. He is both the giver and the gift of life. He is life and the river of life. He is a magnificent healing tree on the banks of the river of life and he is the fruit of that tree. And he is the seed in the fruit that brings forth life in you and me. The Apostle Paul said it best in his letter to the Colossians Christ is all and in all and we are complete in him hallelujah we need nothing more if we are Jesus so against that background there's a challenge for us God has gone to an awful lot of trouble to undo the damage done in the garden of Eden. in response we must not live our new life as if we're still part of the old creation. Open every day to the devil's lies, tempted again and again to eat forbidden fruit, seeking fulfillment in things that produce death, not life. Deadly things that include the lust of the flesh, what makes us feel good, just as this Eve said, the lust of the eyes always looking beyond our needs to satisfy our wants and the pride of life, seeking a place in life beyond what Jesus calls us to be. And he calls us to be one servants, willing slave Him for what he's done for you and me. We are new creations in Jesus Christ where everything is new and whole and good and eternal, planted always beside a flowing river of life, experiencing new life every day by turning from sin, saying no to our old nature and yes to God, and not yes grudgingly with our teeth gritted, but yes with with hearts overflowing with joy and gratitude. Yes! Yes! I want what you've got for me, Lord. I love what you have for me. It's not a sacrifice to serve God. It's the most incredible blessing imaginable. Yes! Give me more! Open your mouth wide and I will fill it, says the Lord. And then, reproducing the light within us by helping to